So the question of the day is, why is platform as a product, or maybe platform as product, and you can drop the article, why is that important? So um, to introduce our guest, Dr. Nick, uh, Stark and Wayne actually has a, a big practice around uh, helping folks get um, PCF installed, up and running, but as part of that journey, uh, the kind of change in the mindset towards, hey, this isn't just like another piece of infrastructure software that you install and run. It's, it's sort of a, a new way of living, if you will. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, that's kind of become a big part of your practice as well. So Stark and Wayne is a mm -hmm. consultancy around uh, Pivotal Cloud Foundry. We came into existence at the same time Pivotal came into existence and the mission was, was aligned such that for the last five, six years, you know, we've sort of gone to market together helping our customers. What we all know is that running, you know, your platform, whether it's uh, Pivotal Applications Service, um, DAS, or whether it's the PKS, or whatever, that the whole aim is to rechange their internal customer mindset, you know, to they're not just running Microsoft Active Directory and you use it, right? You're there to run an entire experience for your developers, your production team. You know, they're, they're, you're there to be the, the first and last place that they come looking for an experience. Now, most of that experience is part of like the CLI or the dashboard or, you know, the, the, now the other part might be asking for support, but more and more of, you know, what we've tried to do over the last half decade has been to make operations, make life cycle, make everything about their production apps being successful, you know, productized experience. Okay. Tell us a little bit about the before state when you go in to work with a customer. Um, what are they, what are they coming from? Day one, the customer is never thinking about, awesome, we're going to have a platform, it's going to be a product, this is the best thing. You know, they've got some terrible pain that they've lived through for the last two decades. The complaints around applications not shipping, you know, they'll spend weeks and tens of weeks on an application and they still haven't gotten around to putting it on infrastructure or whether, even if they're modern day, where they're perhaps using modern legacy things like, you know, going straight to Amazon or, you know, or straight to Azure on, on low level bare, bare machines, they've still got that, all that work to do. And, it's, and it, they look at it as work. They're not looking at it as an experience that they can rely on that their organization is providing them. You know, it's a battle. It's a battle between the engineering team who think they just get to write application code and move on mm -hmm. and, and some IT team who think they're going to receive this football over the fence and have to go and put it in production. It's, 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 it's trying to say that, look, there's a line. This platform is a line. And you the engineering organization are now not just responsible for writing code but you get to enjoy the responsibility for your applications being successful in production okay yeah that was interesting how you you said enjoy the responsibility uh, it's yeah look some people um look uh, my history at, before stark and wayne as i wrote ruby and rails web applications and uh, I like to joke now that when you start a new Rails application, and perhaps the same joke can be said for the spring applications, you know, Spring Boot, you bootstrap your, 
you know, you get all your scaffold. I think it should come with a big yellow warning at the end that says, warning, you are about to create a production application. Do you wish to proceed? Like how fast we can make new applications can sometimes confuse that. You've now got a decade's worth of love and attention to give this thing as a, as a albeit computerized living, breathing thing. Um, now I think, now my honest belief is you run your, you know, you put your application code on a, on a platform. Most of the, the, the sweat and tears of keeping that, you know, does go away. Um, in part because of that experience, the CF push, you know, from a Cloud Foundry platform perspective, you know, it's a CF push experience. Um, but also it's the constraints. If you can guide the developers and say, here are some good constraints, we're just going to use MySQL. We're just going to use RabbitMQ. We're not going to pick the coolest thing you've just found out about on you know, YouTube this morning or Twitter this morning. We're going to stick to this because if we, if we stick to these, these well-known, well-operated constraints, then you will have a, a productized platform that you can you know, uh, live with. You won't have to keep asking for favors. You won't have to keep finding your favorite IT person to set a machine up to turn on Mongo or you know, whatever. Um, and you can have that, that clear line in the sand where it's, you sit above this and you will have a good experience. If you're below it, then you'll, you know, um, you're asking for bespoke things that are untested and they're gonna lead off and you will now have to look after a bespoke system. Your code is not the only thing that is yours. Yeah. And this is, I think, so I know the topic is platform as a product. It's, it's by, if, if a developer can just ex accept that and not ask, but why can't I just do bare metal? Why can't I just do bare Amazon? Why can't I do bare Kubernetes? If they can accept that, they will have a pleasant life for the next three decades as, a, as an engineer. The moment they want to take that step down and say, but I, I want to run you know, uh, Mongo, I want to run seven different things, or I, you know, we need this, um, they better understand that they're, they're no longer just about the code. They've got an entire breathing system, their code, plus their other code, plus all this, the versions, plus the, 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 every version of Kubernetes or every version of, 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 you know, the underlying packages, everything that changes is a change to their application. Yeah. Either they accept responsibility for that or they, they sit on a beautiful line on a platform. I feel like there's an analogy here. Um, forgive me. I'm prone to these, but I feel like there's a little bit of an analogy with, you know, trying to get these developers to kind of think out, you know, for the next decade of this code that they're about to push into production. Think about the next decade, three decades of their life and how much time do they want to be spending uh, patching and updating and waiting for uh, tickets to go back and forth versus, you know, if you accept that you know, you know, you can if you live within a few constraints, you can live with it. The analogy I'm thinking of here is like saving for retirement, right? Absolutely, that's a good one. So you know, if you could get these young people right with their first job, be like, yeah, I know you want to go spend that money on you know uh, fancy cars or you know trendy clothes or just drinking money. I don't know, but if you just set aside five percent of your paycheck. Like you're going to be in a way better position in 30 years. So, so, so you think that if if we some can people teach, get it, but some people if we don't. can teach people about compound interest and saving, then then we can teach people about platforms. 
I hope not. I, I say that because so few people are good at it. I know. <laughs> so I know. I, like, I hope that's it not the metaphor. So I hope that that's where the analogy breaks down and it's actually yeah. easier. But, but that was going to be my question. How do you get, how do you convince developers that, hey, this is the best for you? Do you have to let them sometimes make mistakes and then right. they learn that this is the best approach? Yeah. I, so firstly, for anyone that, that, that is asking questions, should I be saving for retirement? Oh my God, you should be saving for retirement. <laughs> right. This is, this, we are now going to cut over to the personal finance to, 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 section right. of this podcast. That was a little PSA from us to you. Start saving. <laughs> you know, you know, Vanguard, S&P 500 fund, please, please do that. Yeah. Um, now, back to uh, the platform. How do you convince the developers, right? How do you get them, you know, do you have to educate them on compound interest? Or is there some well, other compound way? Compound debt, I guess. Is it's the, the technical debt, right? The technical right? debt yeah. is, is the, uh, and how yeah. that compounds. It's the reason that we use the word debt and the phrase technical debt is the interest and yeah. the compounding interest um, that the organization, you know, your friends, your peers, the people that perhaps you haven't met yet are going to be paying. Um, and this is where it becomes the organization's partly responsibility to, 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 to make it easier to use the platform than not to, because then their, their staff will have that good behavior without it being a, a major choice. Which is like, uh, perhaps we go back to the personal savings, um, having money automatically taken out into your 401k, or in Australia we call it superannuation, mm -hmm. you make it easier to save than not to. Right. So you're not going to have that battle on a, on, a, on a monthly basis. Totally. Yeah, I know it's like where, hey, when you sign up for direct deposit, you're so this, and this, Right. right. So this and what's the, what, are, what are some of the organizational equivalents that you've seen work to do that? Because this, this question just came up for me the other day of, you know, I need to make getting things on the platform the path of least resistance. Right. Was the, Absolutely. The and, and so what have you seen work for that? What, what works? So, I mean, a lot, a lot of things like Cloud Foundry make, once you've got Cloud Foundry and you've used it, you, you know, it's very hard to argue that you go somewhere else. Today even, like I, I, I was deploying things to PWS, Pivotal Web Services, you know, your run.pivotal.io. Yeah. We, we, at Stark and Wayne, many of our little apps, public apps, our blog, our website, all go right. on, onto that. And so, you know, um, we're trying to, to upgrade an app there. And at no point do you ever think, well, I'll just go and boot up a Kubernetes cluster. That's probably more fun. You know, you, if you're thinking that you've got too many others, you know, you don't have enough work to do. Um, but when it comes to an organization, making them aware that this experience exists, that it's pleasant that and, and learning, uh, there are things you can do. You can, I mean, you can market internally. So often a, a platform as a product needs an owner. Mm -hmm. And so where it's successful is where there is at least one human being who owns the emotional responsibility for this being successful. They are gonna sell this thing. Now they may have a team, they may get people to all the things you would do if you were an external business, mm -hmm. you'd want referrals. You'd want to get teams that can show success and get testimonials and get them to talk to other teams. If you're lucky, you might get top down, you know, you know, we've certainly had customers where it's been all top down. Right. CTO comes in and says, it's all going to be on um, Pivotal Cloud Foundry and all of all the teams throw away their previous deployment patterns. Right. Um, not too begrudgingly often, uh, and move to, to PTF. Um, but if you are an owner and you've still got a sort of battle for acceptance, then, then think about it as an owner. Think about it as I've got to do sales and marketing. I've got to, you know, you may not have to actually sell anything, but you may need to get them to go through trials, hack days, um, demonstrate the engineers and their leaders that it's not just a pleasant day one experience, but 
your applications are going to have a pleasant you know, experience the next decade or so. Yeah. Is there a way to identify that product owner? In your experience, have you seen kind of anything that helps surface like, ah, that person, they get it and they have kind of I think of it as almost like the entrepreneurial oh, spirit I, 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 to sort how of do you see that person. You kind of hope that person, I would hope that person was discovered in selecting the need for a platform. I mean, okay. if, 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 a pro, if a platform PCF is going to be installed without an owner, then I, I, it's just going to be a piece of infrastructure. Like, you know, I mean, we've probably perhaps all heard of stories where it goes off and buys a big subscription or something. Uh, it doesn't get installed, no, it doesn't get run. It's and, called shelfware. And shelfware. And so, uh, yeah, how do you find that person? That that would be, I, I think, a really important part of, of the onboarding of a platform is, is if, if, if the people who are the most excited are not also going to take responsibility for its ongoing success, either they need to find that person, they, they are all going to look silly. And this is any time you evangelize and want to bring something into your organization. What are you going to do to make sure it has long-term success that everyone five years from now is talking positively about you and your life choices? Um, and, <laughs> and, and that's going to mean that you as the evangelist bringing this, this in uh, either need to be that person or you need to be finding that person who is going to, you know, wants to have that, op- that, that important career opportunity to, to make something successful in their organization. And then you perhaps as the evangelist need to take the job of, or as a senior, you know, CTO or senior person to 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 push everything out of the way and, and to you know get people to pay attention to you. Um, yeah, I've I've heard of customers actually branding PCF internally, giving it a name, which builds good. product loyalty in yep. terms of the product team, but it's also makes it easier to market that. And you can code it anything you want, and as 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 oh, you yeah. know, you, you can theme uh, it, it, again. PCF or not, but definitely the PCF console can all be themed. The login page can be themed. You can integrate it in with your own Active Directory so everyone's automatically got accounts. Um, and uh, yeah, whatever it takes for you and the team to, to, to have realized that this is a huge win, a huge win. And look, it's 2019. Um, there is so much material now for, for, those, for that product owner to, mm. to take and to use and to turn around. Um, but yeah, I mean that's that's certainly something Pivotal perhaps could help is help product owners, these these people that own platform mm-hmm. as a product, to meet each other and find out. Um, and I guess Spring One is an example of where they can find other product owners. The CF Summits, um, uh, Pivotal Days, these are hopefully places that they can find other product owners and perhaps swap ideas on right. how to be successful. Sure notes. Because they're completely independent, right? You're just trying to help your organization have success and swap ideas of what works. Yeah, it's a bit lonely, right? Because it's not like, hey, developers where, you know, there's maybe not an army of us, but there's there's going to be teams and teams. Um, but when you get down to the, the platform operators, right. it's already a small team. They, compared and to that. everyone was already And then doing the one something. person there who's really the owner is like probably the only owner at the company, hence the name owner. Um, and so they're, it's a, it's a bit of a lonely path that they've got to kind of forward. But what about, what about things that you've seen that are kind of like seem to be missteps or, um, you know, uh, just, just potholes that people can hit. Well, let's start with the first one. The first one is not having at least one product owner. Right. Let's, you know, it's going nowhere. Um, 
who's going to be the one that that keeps getting groups to come in and, and either to put new projects on it who's going to be the one that, that puts uh that does the the app transformation there's if, if applications haven't been on on on, on a platform uh, and again we'll take pcf as an example there are those constraints um not all apps are going to just drop in so it's right. not just an it job of saying all right let's move things off our vsphere vms and just drop them into this right there, there might be one or two changes um and uh and you might want to set up ci i mean there's if i can take a new path on this topic right it's not just there is owning and operating an application the platform is a is an important starting point even with the platform there are still things that change that break your application or are going to leave your application behind the biggest one at the moment is uh we take pcf for example is we're dropping support for uh the trusty ubuntu trusty based applications mm -hmm. Um, it's internally referred to as CF Linux FS2, which who knows where that name came from. Let's but not, uh, let's not overthink that. But the new one's called uh, FS3, so that's exciting. <laughs> um, but at a Linux Ubuntu level, it was Ubuntu, Ubuntu Trusty versus Ubuntu Xenial, mm -hmm. and uh, and we're not going to support both for very long. And so um, most PCF environments will have had a short window where applications could have been deployed on both, but they need to redeploy them to support right so inside these accounts this product owner then has to he has to be worried about this, deliver right? this message and, and help shepherd shepherd them know. and and some projects some applications do lose their primary application team they kind of go into maintenance mode yeah that will happen and that is not just to be ignored because someone's going to need to keep a track of and it's not just that we went from trusty to, to zenial that might not change anything because the build packs keep upgrading but certainly one of the projects that we work on, uh, uh, we use Ghost, which is a Node.js blogging thing. In order to make it work, we needed to get the MySQL shell CLI in there to do a little bit of bumping of some things on startup. Well, that didn't just nicely upgrade from Trusted. So there are these very sometimes little edge cases. And if it's not at the environment level, it might just be that you're, you're using Spring and all the different libraries that you use. And they're going to, you can't just not keep upgrading them. So even though the platform has its level where, you, you know, you don't need to worry about the upgrading and the lifecycle of the platform or of Kubernetes or of, of, you know, of, of vSphere or of the machines underneath or whatever the entire stack is, whilst you don't have to worry about that, your application is still filled with these things that need upgrading. So this is where an application needs CI, needs to have this way for the product owner to be able to, you know, find out where the versions of applications keep working, and um, and uh, so you know, in our pivotal universe, we have uh, concourse, but people like Jenkins, whatever it is, I, that part becomes as important because it allows you to reproduce deployment for a new version, check that it works, um, and perhaps then escalate to, hey, we, you know, <laughs> this 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 application that doesn't have a development team anymore. Ah, uh, we need one temporarily, right. please, in the next three months. Yeah, I mean, and so if you have tests and other parts of the path to production, you know, developed and automated, someone else could come in. Absolutely. And at least figure out, listen, we, we're going to need to make a few changes because something's going out of support or yeah. what have if you. If you care about... Uh, and there's a pipeline that exists. If you care about upgrades and you care about security and you can't care about security and not care about upgrades, um, you just follow the logic through these applications never get to be passive so even though you think your dev team's finished its work 
and it's moved off to make other apps. The application goes on forever. You can't just orphan these children. Um, and now it doesn't mean you need full-time teams, but you, you, as a, you as the application owner, and hence also the platform owner, need to go about planning for, you know, CF push might not be the only thing they, they should be doing. It's all the life cycle around the app for the next decade to make sure mm -hmm. it's always, the latest version is being tested of everything. Otherwise it just falls further and further behind. Uh, and then one day you just cannot upgrade it anymore. Yeah. And you live with that security. So like, and that's if you care about security. Uh, look, you know, <laughs> and who I, cares maybe, about that? Maybe, maybe you don't. don't. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's a nuanced thing. The platform really. does a yeah. lot, but the application owners have still some responsibility for the next decade. Just the platform makes it a lot easier and a lot more obvious. So, What's interesting is like, it seems like you're drawing the circle around the scope for the platform team. Tell me if I'm wrong. The circle is like, okay, you've got, you've got Cloud Foundry maybe at sort of the, the, the heart of it, right? It's kind of a, a big chunk of the um, automation kind of sitting there on top of all the underlying infrastructure. But as a platform owner, your, your circle is actually much bigger than that. And it's including the the path to getting on right it's not going to be a cf push it's probably going to be through a cic uh, yeah look if um if, if if you as the owner are going to own the platform and all the applications sit on it for the next two decades if not use someone else just think of that right and hopefully hopefully come back quickly to, to your question then you will have first one app and then many apps who start to look suspiciously like they're falling behind and the people that worked on them disappear, and uh, and 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 if you go about trying to fix that later on, it's going to be on your budget uh, because you've got apps that you know need touching, fixing, cleaning up, whatever. Um, you know, I, th I think the benefit of being the platform owner uh, is that your product has a very clear line, a circle, or a box around it. And I think if you know that that box in advance. You can be clear, hopefully, hopefully I'm being clear. You can be clear about the responsibilities of your customers. Mm -hmm. um, these responsibilities don't disappear if you don't use a platform. I think what happens is your life is so convoluted and complex, you, you just never have clear thoughts about these topics. Wait, okay, say that again. So it's not that these lines don't exist without a platform, it's just that nobody's paid attention to, no one's Absolutely. taking the trouble to draw them anywhere. No, it, 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 when everything else is so busy, you, you know, um, there are certain problem spaces that you just hope never turn up. Okay. Um, Reability to build machines. We go back a few years, we were all getting very excited with Chef and Bosch and things like that, our ability to rebuild machines. That allowed us to not fear about machines disappearing, whereas before, people used to celebrate this machine has been up for six years. Right. Oh my Lord, you have yeah. no idea how to rebuild this in the event of, of a disaster or the need to rebuild this machine. Yeah. You, all that, because you've celebrated the wrong thing, you've lost the knowledge and the tooling of how to rebuild it. And so uh, the people who got that job had so much work to do, rebuilding environments, uh, they did it manually, and hence we all got very excited by Chef and then got excited by Bosch, and Docker, and, and Kubernetes because it's each time that we got more automation, we realized we needed to toughen our muscles and toughen our tools and toughen our approach to our profession so that it could be reproducible and it could be upgradable 
and it could be continuously secure. And it's one of the things I, I was not, when we started you know, with Cloud Foundry and Pivotal five, six years ago, the security story wasn't the primary story, mm-hmm. but it very quickly became, you know, almost like the thing we were awesomely good at, you know, ability to update stem cells, which are the base images, you know, the, the, what an Amazon machine, for example, AMI, our ability to update build packs, our ability to update the, 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 the stacks, you know, the, the, of, of where the containers run. Um, it became this calling card, the ability to run PKS, which is you know, uh, on-demand Kubernetes. When people start to realize that one Kubernetes was not the right model, you can't just share one Kubernetes across a huge organization. You need to have lots of them. You better have a tool for you know looking after all of those. Right. Um, yes, the operational imperative. Yeah. So I think this era has been the era where uh, those of us who get to stand on sufficient amount of orchestration can see that it's allowed us to start solving on a consistent basis. You know the the, the security issues, which the news will tell us. Um, any newspaper that hasn't got Donald Trump on the front probably has some IT hack. Uh, from your favorite brand. And so this this story is sort of becoming as as public and a major newspaper issue as, as it is our space to solve. Yeah, and and not to get too political, but sometimes Donald Trump and the hacking go hand in hand. But Boom, look at that. That's a whole nother story. That's a, that's a, just spelled it right out there, Jeff. Yeah, sorry, I couldn't resist. So I wanted to ask, <laughs> quickly transitioning, I wanted to ask about this concept of so if you're a product owner, that means you have customers, and your customers being the developers. And we talk a lot about here listening to your customers and incorporating their feedback into your product development. Yep. Does that apply to what we're talking about here, treating PCF or a platform as a product? How do you think about incorporating the developer feedback, what they want? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, because you know, if, if you're the product owner of something you didn't necessarily build, you know, you, you know, if you sort of saying you're a franchise, if you're a McDonald's franchise owner, franchisee owner, like, and you get feedback, it's like, eh, there's only so many things I can change, but thanks for the feedback. Right. Um, that is a really interesting, you know, paradigm of, of where you participate in that. Um, and fortunately, I mean, not that you can necessarily change things immediately because it's a pre-existing environment. There are certain th- things you can do on the outside, like you can help with the CI, you can give them feedback of, of how to go about doing CI, which isn't necessarily part of the platform, but hopefully it's either been a problem solved by teams, other teams at your organization or other teams outside. And again, I, I would have to, you know, perhaps we should put together a big long list of, of spring one talks about you know, applications and CI and looking after them and keeping them upgraded to help feed that information back about, you know, um, but hopefully, yeah, I mean, if not that topic, then hopefully any topic they get, there is information where that question has been asked to another product owner, that product owner has answered it, gone to a conference and talked about it. Hopefully we have a good background of, you know, this is the you know, the awesome part about the, you know, the Cloud Foundry platform experiences. It's not shiny and new. Like you're, you're running something that others have been running for half a decade, you know, successfully. So, um, so it might be that you know you're going to bring them you know information from somewhere else. It might be that you're going to take that, um, help them you know perhaps build a layer outside a new service broker. Like say they want a new service, and you go, okay, we can do that. We've already got Oracle on the inside. Um, it doesn't look like we're ever going to get away from it. So let's bring a service broker in so that you know you can continue to use it. Um, so that's for anyone that's know a service broker is part of the plug and play mm-hmm. nature of, of PCF. It allows you to bring in external pre-existing services 
make them nicely available in a way that yeah. they've never been nicely available before. And this is something just because I think a lot of folks often think about, um, at least in, in the, the pivotal universe of Cloud Foundry, they'll think of the service brokers that we have in our uh, service PCF services marketplace that are available on, say, the, the pivotal network for yep. download. And those are the ones that are, you know, we've worked with a bunch of third party um, software vendors, you know, monitoring tools, security tools, databases, what have you. There, they've built it, and so it's a supported service broker. But, but you're kind of suggesting like part of what you are, part of what you're doing as a platform owner is actually writing your own service broker. It's not you're just your I'm going to download it. Like those are great, but there right? might be something that is someone, one of my customers yeah. needs. It might be a networking change. You know, it might not, again, it might not be yours to change, but yours to take responsibility for it. Make sure your environment has access to this uh, special subsystem inside your company. And there are more and more ways in which this can be done. Um, not necessarily can you perhaps easily do it. It might take some thinking through, but like isolating a, a portion of your, your PCF environment, uh, which only then has access to perhaps a sub, you know, a certain uh, virtual network. Um, it might be, yeah, integrate, it might be installing a new tile. So it might be they've found out that, hey, there's a hundred tiles, uh, different, you know, uh, tiles that they can download and saying, can you please install this one? We don't like, please, right. like, we'd like to be able to test it. Yeah. Um, it might be, um, you know, asking for help about how the, the, the Java build pack works. It might even just be asking how Java works and you have to explain there's a Java build pack. Let me explain how this works. Right. Um, well, doesn't this relate to the beginning of our conversation when you talked about, you know, providing a consistent environment, um, you know, this is what we're going to use. We're going to use, you know, MySQL. We're not going to use all these other databases, but then you have all these options that something like PCF gives you. So how do you kind of balance the, we want to keep this clean, consistent environment with, we want to be responsive to our customers developers and their needs and requests. It sounds, it sounds like it's a little bit of a balancing act. It is, and as the product owner, you might have a, a team that runs the platform for you. You might have someone like Stark and Wayne who do it as a managed service, uh, sort of renter, renter crowd. So we, we'll run the platform for you and we'll you know, give you the, the, you know, the, you say, hey, can we try this tile out? We'll install it for you, we'll set that. And so we don't, you know, we, we do what we, you know, we preach what we uh, practice, what we preach. So we'll set up a pipeline on how this tile gets installed so that new versions get upgraded so that we can look after it, setting up backups. Um, this is where I, you know, earlier on with our finance uh, little segue, this is where I go on my you know, disaster recovery segue. It's like, if your database, tile is installed and you don't know how to do disaster recovery, it's just a cache. Like you as the platform owner are responsible. Everyone else assumes you're responsible for making sure all their data is restorable in the event of disaster. High availability is nice too, but my goodness, you better not with a straight face say you've got a platform as a product unless you know how to do disaster recovery. Yeah. So, you know, this is not necessarily where you go out and sort of say, hey, you know, okay, San Francisco, I'm currently in San Francisco, uh, with Maine and- uh, Yeah, coming to you live. Coming to you live. Yeah. Obviously it's Actually, not it's live not at live. all because it's a podcast. <laughs> but, but one of the things the San Francisco Fire Department loves to do is to drive around really noisily, just to let you know they're out and about being a fire department. Um, <laughs> and uh, so similarly, you, you would need to, uh, and you just trust that the fire department, when they're not doing that, is practicing putting out fires. 
or picking up sick people. I think they do a lot of that too. Yeah. Um, similarly, you as a product owner need to toot your own horn and your product platform's horn about what it can do. Make sure people know because it's otherwise invisible infrastructure. Mm-hmm. But you better know how to run your platform uh, when things go bad. Yeah. So make sure any tile you do want, and this is why I say let's constrict ourselves to a subset. Don't I, You can expand it, but make sure you know how to do disaster recovery. Make sure you know how you're going to upgrade it. Um, yeah. And certainly, this is what we focus on as Stark and Wayne is running platform, running the tiles. And so um, it is kind of fun to sort of yell about it as if it's not my problem, but this is you know, what we care about a lot. <laughs> well, and there's like to, to Jeff's point where it's like you're, you're providing constraints, but then you know, you do have this element of optionality. I think, I think Josh McKenty actually had a, uh, a fun story about this, about um, picking from the middle of the book in terms of the gear size, right? So not having too fine, not having too wide. So picking, there's like this, nobody knows the number, but there's, you want to provide some options, but you want to constrain them. So you need some guardrails, but you, you can't, you can't literally take someone down to like, thou shalt use MySQL, and that is the only data store that you will use. Like, that's going to be a little bit crazy. But the point is, I'm going to provide you with a short list, right? And you're going to be able to do everything you need to do within this range of options. Right. At least now but it's a conversation. Least, but we're not talking about literally everything in the known universe that you can go out and try and do, and then someone has to support it. So this is perhaps one of the benefits of the that platform balance. Is, is that conversation is forced. And state databases state is super important to have this conversation. If, if you just give your end users Kubernetes, we just give them OpenStack, we just give them Amazon accounts and let them have fun, they will install databases all by themselves and they will think their job is done. They go, look, my app works, I'm out of here, have a good weekend. Uh, and they will not have set up backups, they will not have set up disaster recovery platforms, they will not have a run book of what to do in the event of something terrible, mm-hmm. they will not know how to Go back to an old version of your data. They will have just satisfied themselves that their app works. So part of part of the the benefit of a platform to the entire organization is a nice experience to the end user, whilst you're still capturing responsibility. And so, the ownership of each of those data tiles might be separated into different teams. It might be all the product owners, but it uh, is still a known responsibility. And so stateless apps have fun on the platform, stateful things. Oh my God, please work with your product owner to make sure they're well looked after. Um, It's okay to want to use Kafka. That sounds like a great idea. Let's do it together. On behalf of your product owner, (laughs) developer, let's do it together so that you have a good Kafka experience where we have already organized support from uh, Confluent, in this case, who probably, you know, maintain Kafka or any nines or someone else who's got a tile for, you know, Kafka. Uh, you know, it's a conversation. And yes, product owners should should accept those conversations. Otherwise, he will get shadow IT and he will get people just going off and doing it themselves. Yeah. Okay. So, so clearly having a product owner is important. I think we just spent like 15 minutes on that. Are there, what that's, other... That is, no, that's... I. I well, I, is there, are there have, any other... Assuming you already have that, then what else? Yeah, what else? Um, what else can go wrong? What else can go wrong? Right, if, or even if you're just talking... Yeah, and I've probably spent a bunch right? of time Where talking like, about these sort of nuanced things that go wrong. Like, you're down the road, your abandoned apps will have problems. Mm-hmm. And, but if you don't know that, then you won't 
think about it in advance. So I, I, I do apologize perhaps for spending time. So, okay, you've got your new customer, your new engineering team. They have been told there's this pipe form. It's got its own cool name. Um, what can go wrong is they might have had expectations about how deployment works from something else they read, right? They, uh, and this is something new to learn. Now it's pretty easy to learn, but, but if you don't actually let them learn, if you just sort of throw it at them, then, then they're gonna perhaps react in a negative way and all of a sudden they talk and they get angry and, and engineers like to escalate their problems. And so we both don't treat them well, but also we over, over nurture them. Um, I love engineers, I'm an engineer. I just, I, I'm concerned about my profession. And um, so, you know, whether it's, you know, a hackathon is an idea, just nurturing them through until they have success and then hoping that, you know, help them teach everyone else. Um, but you, the product owner, may, may need to capture a lot of information about how their Java app will be deployed or how to quickly get them that answer. So in that early period, often we do uh, application dojos. So, you know, they, they really want to take advantage of those initial application dojos they do with, with you know, the pivots um, because you're going to learn about how to write apps the pivotal way, but also very importantly about how to work with Cloud Foundry, both both as a human being, CF pushing, but also starting to set up CI. Uh, I personally. So whose responsibility is it to set up CI, by the way? This is my is personal. It, yeah, is it the app? You know, it's not even the, my personal belief. Team. It is mathematically proven. If you can care about security updates of your application for the rest of its life, then you need CI. And so, but you that doesn't answer the question of who. Who is setting it up? Because yeah, no, to, like, to some extent you could say, well, the, the platform team seems to be accepting a lot of responsibility. Yeah, no, I, I don't think it's, it's, certainly it's not the PCF platform. The PCF platform, for example, doesn't take, doesn't say here is CI. So, uh, and it is kind of like saying, hey, everyone has to use Java. That's kind of a, a step too far perhaps in the relationship and certainly not something that the PCF as a platform enforces. Um, some companies do love their, Favorite CI, there are a lot of them. Mm -hmm. And I think to sort of force an organization to use one versus the other might be a step too far. But here's a nuance to CI. I, I, I like to call CI your little robot. At Stark and Wayne, I think we ended up like, we had like 90 something little pipelines that did various things. Often some of them were benign, they would take a package, uh, they take a, a, a new GitHub release from a project that wasn't ours, would build it and turn it into an asset. So we have a, um, a Debian repository uh, at apt.starkerwen.com and it's full of, of things that aren't even ours. It's a lot of our stuff, but a lot of other people's stuff because they just weren't publishing Debian packages. So we have a lot of pipelines that do this. Um, and uh, so I, I know what it's like to look after pipelines, but I know very clearly that these pipelines run my business. So they're not benign. They are important business logic. And so when you choose your CI system, please know that if, if, if your important business logic is not going into a git commit and is not being tracked and you perhaps go even further, go even further. Do you know how to test your pipeline in a, in a safe place? That is non-trivial. CI is often like shell scripts. It's very uh, destructive. Like it's doing something and it's very hard to set up a, a safe way to test that. Um, so, you know, there is a lot, there is a lot, you know, just like the, the, the idea we were talking about earlier about the importance of always 
upgrading because you always want to be safe and secure. And just security as a first class thought is easier now that you have platforms. I hope in my heart that people start taking CI seriously and it's not just like as a, it's like code. And if it's like code, how do you test it? How do you update it? How do you, because the moment you touch CI, it changes everything. And maybe it, it does something disastrous. And you go, well, that was unfortunate. No, it's not unfortunate. You did this to your organization. But so I, I would love it if there was one CI that we could refer and knew how to do unit testing of CI, but I, I don't know of any of them. It's just a hard problem. Yeah. Okay. Well, it I, is the application owner's responsibility. It, okay. Thank you. I was going to uh, say, it's right. like, I agree it with It is someone's responsibility said, and it's the application nice. owner's responsibility. Okay. Application owner. You should come back to them 10 years from now and say, you know, you made these life choices and they went terribly wrong. <laughs> Regardless well, that's of a whole other topic. How do you get somebody to care about 10 years in the future when chances are they're not going to be there anymore? Right. And this is where our platform, uh, I think, is a starting, is on the road to an organization being able to, to care for itself, knowing that people transfer, knowing that people's tenure in their teams and in their organizations is shorter than the applications. Let's just know that in advance, right? Um, and I think that's one of the benefits of the platform is a lot of that is now solved. But as we've talked about, the, the constantly updating security issues and the constant uh, awareness that CI is as a first-class thing, um, we have to think about these things. Um, hey, it's good to have problems that aren't solved yet. Yeah, well, it keeps the, the platform team busy also, right? Someone's like, got to program as, the robots. The robots long, are going to take over the world. But. As long as they're thinking about their customers, they're going to keep busy with stuff to do. Um, and uh, and then of course they're going to have those abandoned apps to to figure out. But if they've done their job right from the get go, and they've worked with their app owners to build pipelines, they should still be able to help make sure that those abandoned apps. Uh, are we haven't even out. gotten to the other challenge. Yeah, if if you if you buy into the microservices um, model of of splitting out your application, um, I don't mean buy into it that it's wrong not to, but you know the monolith versus microservice. The moment you've got two apps that talk to each other. How, how, what is, what is that? How do you make sure that your next version that's going down the pipeline could be deployed in production? Or is it dependent on something coming down in the other pipeline of the other app? And that's just the two apps. When you've got dozens of these things, what is the, the way in which you detach them all and feel confident that they can all be, have, do, or do you need to, how do I test my app against what's in production of all my dependencies and all the things that are dependent upon me? Um, how do you bring that up? I find these problems really interesting. No, I think we're going to have to save that problem for another day. <laughs> just looking at the time. Um, we, should, we should definitely do a part two because I want that. That's a good one to explore because isn't the whole point of microservices is that you can develop your service independently of the others. So you can, you're not, and it's, there's, yeah, I think, I think sometimes it's easy to do things. Um, and then only from that perspective, do you realize that it's uh, perhaps you should take five steps back off the cliff. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Just, just because you can stand on the cliff doesn't, doesn't mean, you doesn't mean maybe you should. Um, yeah, so we're, we're running close on time. So I think we should uh, give Dr. Nick a, a couple of minutes. Tell us a little bit more about Stark and Wayne for our listeners who may not be familiar with you guys. So we specialize very much around the, the PCF operational lifecycle. So we work with the product owner either to be part of their operational team to run PCF and PKS and, and PCF. Um, to uh, or for those product owners, we might you know own and operate everything. So mm -hmm. we'll be their sort of proxy team. Um, and yeah, I mean, 
we love seeing this thing be a product. We love apps coming onto the platform and being successful. It is just the nicest thing to see developers, you know, just be excited about the fact that something was fun and simple. Um, it's fun finding out what they're trying to do and answer their questions. Um, and, uh, and so then in that responsibility, we liaise was the unspoken, we, I say unspoken, we haven't spoken about them, but the networking, the infrastructure teams, the, mm -hmm. the subsystems, the email, all those other things. Uh, it's super awkward and hard, but it's the last time anyone has to do it because once it's in integrated into the platform, now everyone gets access to how do we send an email? Everyone gets access to how do we access Oracle? No more Jira tickets saying, could I please have another Oracle you know, thing? Um, so just getting an organization to that where people can self-serve is, is the delight of our profession. So, yeah, so we work mostly with uh, a lot of pivotal, you know, uh, directly with our customers helping, you know, customers have you know, long success. Fantastic. And um, I think we we have CF Summit coming up. We do. Philadelphia, please come. Yeah. Uh, there was gonna you be, and your you team know, are going to be there? We'll be there if you're a product owner and you want to meet other product owners, come along. If you're an app developer and you want to learn more about deploying apps, um, you should come along. You should also just go to YouTube and watch all the talks that we've ever been given for the last five years. I mean, yeah, that'll, that'll only that'll keep you busy. Take. <laughs> uh, you should come to, to, to the Starkway booth and say good day. I'll be floating around. Dr. Nick Williams and the team. And uh, obviously there'll be a huge pivotal booth. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, we might be there. It would be green. I mean, by yeah. we, I mean, Jeff and I. Oh, yeah, right. the, we'll be here. there, but I don't know how much time we'll be at the booth. Right, because you're going to have to do some podcasts. We've got some other stuff going Yeah, if you on. have interesting stories and you want to share on a, on a podcast just like this, you should uh, ask. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just, just show up. Doreen and I, we should just set up in the middle of the Put show. Put your hand up. Um, yeah. Put your hand up and say, I have an interesting story to tell. Right. Yeah. We could probably knock out, I don't know, a dozen podcasts over the course of a couple of days. Just just the people who listen to this one and then actually followed your advice. Doctor. Unlike this podcast, Short and Sharp is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, cool. So um, folks will, will come stalk you at CF Summit. Yep. That sounds great. Um, okay. Any other place where we're and spring can... one will be a spring one. That's yes, be cool. looking forward to October. Plan now. Uh, buy your cowboy boots now, by the way, because it takes a little while to break them in, and I just would hate to see people sliding around on brand new cowboy boots come October. That's, That's a good gonna point. Be my piece of fashion advice for the for the episode. I usually have something, don't I? That's very good. Just a little bit of context. Spring one is in Austin this year, which yes, hence Austin, the Texas. Boots. That's a cool little town. Have you ever seen all the bats that live underneath that bridge? I mean, not up close. It's kind of famous. You should go yeah. check it out at dusk. It's really cool. Yeah, I, will, I look forward to if that. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, Google bats bridge Austin, Austin and you'll see what I'm talking about. Yeah. And if you don't know what Google is, I'm surprised that you've got to any of these podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> you've got bigger problems. Right. Uh, you've clearly or you might have actually figured it all out. And then just keep doing what you're doing. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, with Thanks that. Thanks again. Thanks and uh, until next time. Thanks, listeners. Bye.